0: Symphony of Shadows Third Movement Luce Spenta L'Ombra More New Endings Old Beginnings Phrase 4 Jazz's parents quickly hogtied her like she was in fact a pig. She shouted at them, cursing uncontrollably, foaming at the mouth with fury, but even that was useless as they stuffed something in her mouth. They hoisted her up and placed her on the bench, besides Woods, who still sat there unconscious. Jazz's eyes darted to the door of the cockpit. Her last hope was Tane, if he could just... And then she saw. There, on the floor of the cockpit, was the drone, For a moment, she thought maybe Tane was trying to hide during the commotion, but she realized if that was the case, it wouldn't be laying on the ground. The thing could float. What have you done, Tane? How did you screw this up? But then she realized what had happened. It was fucking damn it, she cursed to herself. She'd forgotten to charge it. In all the commotion of the last couple of days, it hadn't even crossed her mind. This wasn't Tane's fault. It was hers. And now she was proper fucked. Nebu's dark eyes came level with Jazz's. Are you all right, love? He said gently, his throat hoarse. Amira dabbed at his neck and his mouth curled from the pain. Jazz thought he was speaking to her, but Amira took his hand and squeezed. I will be fine. You? Amira asked. genuinely concerned as she looked at his neck. She held Jazz's whipstick in her other hand, retracting it with a press of a button and sticking it in her ragged pants. It is painful, but I will live. I am proud of our girl. Even without our guidance, she has grown into a strong and clever woman. If not for you, Amira, our plans would have been for nothing. Plans, Jazz thought. What plans? She tried to speak, but was throttled by whatever was in her mouth. She fought against her bonds, trying to loosen them, but there was nothing she could do. Now that we've settled this, it is time you listened, Jazz. Amira patted her gently on the cheek. We don't want to hurt you, and now you're safe. Jazz roared through whatever was in her mouth, but it wasn't even a squeak. All she could do was glare at her mother. Amira's eyes were like looking into a black hole. All of Jazz's energy was consumed by the vacuum of her stare. Your father and I, we cannot escape our fates, and neither can you. We have survived this long, and now Eos has brought you back to us, and him as well. Jazz looked over to Woods, questioningly, but Amira shook her head. Not him, so Noir nebu snarled but said nothing amira continued we all worked for kaladi back then all believed in her and the better universe she wanted to create what young fools we were there is a romance to the dangers of revolution and it was at a time when i found the love of my life amira extended her hand to nebu and he took it in hers She kissed the top of it and then sat beside Jazz. Together we were invincible, and we were doing something that we believed in. You understand that, don't you? Having a purpose. Jazz had no clue what her mother was talking about, but she nodded. Anything to keep her conscious, to keep her alive. That purpose led us to spying on those pirate bastards. Avery and his menagerie of villains... After he'd swindled Providence away from Zeb, it was our job to steal it for Kaladi. It took us months to wheedle our way onto Providence, and in that time we had a son. A lovely, lovely son. Oh, you should have seen how clever and strong he was, too. The two of you would have been. Amira brushed her thumb gently across Jazz's cheek. Jazz moved her face away involuntarily, disgusted by this... Stranger. Her mother. A son? Jazz wondered. I have... a brother somewhere? Amira looked hurt by Jazz's reaction, but she didn't press. She only nodded, her deep eyes growing even darker. Would have been. That was the worst of it. We were so close. So, so close. <laughs> Jazz tried through the cloth in her mouth. Amira pulled it out, and Jazz coughed. Close to what? she asked. Completing our mission. We had discovered the back door into Providence's operations. All we needed to do was get it back to Galati. And then that bastard! Amira choked, and tears started to fill her eyes. Nebu gripped her shoulder and picked up the story. Sornwall found us. At first we thought he was still on our side, that Kaladi had sent him to support our escape. That's what he said when he discovered us. We left behind the information for him to deliver. We were wrong. I was pregnant with you at the time, Jazz, said Amira. And wouldn't you know it, you chose that very day to come out. Tried to keep you in, but you wouldn't have it. I can tell that willfulness hasn't left you. "'The plan had always been to smuggle the means for hacking Providence through your brother,' said Nebu. "'No one would expect a family with another child on the way. "'We were supposed to go with him, but with your mother and labor I couldn't leave. "'So we sent your brother ahead of us with a friend we could trust.' "'We should have waited,' Amira's voice crackled with each word, a volcanic swirl of grief and fury." It only would have been a few hours, a day at most. But Sornois seemed so adamant that we leave on a specific ship at a specific time, that if we didn't make it, we would be in great danger. We couldn't risk little Louis taking that risk of staying longer with us. He killed him, said Jazz. My brother, Avery had the ship shot down. Avery had told this story. She only hadn't known it was her parents. It was in his toy, she said, and looked into her mother's eyes. The drive, what you'd stolen. Sonwa and Avery, barked Nebu. The heartless demons. Our child. They murdered our child. Wait, love. Amira raised a hand to Nebu. How did you know it was in the toy? I said Jazz fumbling for a lie, that's where I would have hidden it. Amira raised an eyebrow. Does Avery still live? she asked. He's been dead a long time, said Jazz. How long? asked Nebu. How did he die? Jazz shrugged. More than thirty years ago. No one really knows. This lie came easier because it had been the truth until a couple of hours ago. Not that they would believe the truth. So he could still live. No, said Jazz absently. He's definitely dead. But her mind was elsewhere. So much death. So much pain. All from choices made before I'd even been born. As I'd been born. And she had been born on Providence. Does that make it my home? Does it make it where I belong? It was where she used to feel most at peace, where things made sense. For a while, she thought. Then she ran from that feeling. Her heart sank even deeper. Amira must have mistaken the expression on Jazz's face as some sort of shared grief. Her face lightened as if dawn was finally breaking on a night filled with nightmares. You understand, then. Why we had to kill your friend and stop Woods. Son Juan must be made to pay for what he did to your brother, what he did to our family. Amira ventured, placing her hand on Jazz's shoulder. Jazz backed away, crushing against Woods's limp body. You aren't my family. You abandoned me. To keep you safe, love, said Amira. Like how you're keeping me safe now, Jazz yelled. Switch would never do this. I would never have killed Wyatt. And for revenge, Nebu slapped her. For your brother. He's dead. I'm alive. We're alive. If you kill Sornois, she growled, selfish. You're both selfish, just like Avery and Sornois. The only thing separating you is a dead child. And who's to say you wouldn't have made the same decision as them? Perhaps that is true, Jazz, but our decision has been made, said Amira. What do you mean it's been made? she asked, concerned. What are you planning? Cybele started following Sornois toward his ship, but Sornois stopped him short. You're not coming with me. Cybele tilted his head. Why not? I told you, Cybele. My time is over. You've been a great companion. I could always rely on you. But now someone else needs to rely on you. Surnois gazed at Knox briefly. You need to protect him. Aside from Jazz and Knox, only you know the truth about Avery, about who Knox really is. Cybele frowned. I don't think he needs much protecting. His back will. It always will. You think Red will try something? asked Cybele. Surnois shrugged. If she thinks he's no longer keeping to his word. I'm not worried about her, though. I'm worried about Knox. Power eventually broke Avery. He could no longer suffer the man he had become. I wasn't strong enough to protect him. I wasn't ruthless enough to do what needed to be done for his sake. You must be that person for Knox. Dark times are ahead for him. For us. If he is consumed by it like Avery was... Then we are all doomed. What are you asking me to do? Asked Cybele, confused. To be what you were made to be. A weapon, of course, but also a shield. I'm not sure I understand, said Cybele truthfully. But I'll do what I can. That is all I ask, Sornois grinned, the corners of his eyes branching into ravines of satisfaction. I will see you back home, he slapped Cybele on the shoulder and left. Cybele's metal claw lifted to where Sorenois' hand was a moment ago. He could have sworn he felt something there, a warmth, but that was impossible. He had long ago done away with pleasure or pain, and yet continued to rub the spot as he watched Sornois's ship ascend into the sky. Tane brought up his tablet again, trying with obvious futility to restart the drone. He'd managed to fuck this up again, the one thing he potentially could have been good at. He tried everything else he could think of, which with all the anxiety amounted to less than nothing. Tane could hear shouts from the other side of the deck where Knox had called everyone together. From here, he couldn't tell if they were good or bad, and then he started seeing a few ships begin to take off. Again, this told him nothing of what had happened, but with the start of the engines, his senses sparkled. Tane's eyes hadn't left the shadow's edge while he hid close by. It couldn't have been more than a couple minutes since the cyborg left. Then he saw something light up in the cockpit. The engines were on. Before Tane knew what he was doing, he was in a full sprint towards the shadow's edge. Suddenly, there was the sound of engines starting the shadow's edge roaring to life. In Jazz's HUD Wit was rebooting. He did it! Jazz vibrated with glee. Tane had come through. He must have. But before Jazz could celebrate, her mother stuffed the cloth back in her mouth and said, It's time. Nebu nodded his head in agreement. He moved to the cockpit. <sighs> Jazz shouted through the cloth, trying to command Wit to stop them. She tried using her nonverbal commands, But permission denied flashed on the screen with a useless error code she couldn't understand. It will all be over soon, love. Amira placed a hand on her knee, and there was nowhere for Jazz to escape. What is this? Nebu bent down in the cockpit and picked up the drone. Oh shit, Jazz thought, and hopped from the seat, falling onto the floor. She wasn't sure what the next move was. She had nowhere to go, she was bound pretty tight but Jazz was never one to sit still while she was getting fucked. Nebu grabbed her by the scruff of her neck and dragged her into the cockpit. It doesn't matter. Whatever blow you had, it's too late. Now let's watch this as a family. Jazz did watch. Her eyes glued to Wit's screen. The image of a ship's control system were projected onto the glass of the cockpit. Jazz could see Sornois dropship fly by, getting closer to his flagship, the Golden Hair. Except, instead of it slowing down, it began to rise faster and faster. Jazz looked to the image of controls, the speed increasing with the ship's attitude. Oh no, she thought impotently, as Sornois' ship collided with the Golden Hair and exploded in a shower of molten steel. Nebu and Amira embraced one another, tears flowing freely down their cheeks. Jazz's too, but the wet leaking from her face was for an entirely different reason. Zorn was dead. Jazz heard the hatch open in the main cabin, but she wasn't able to turn to see what it was. Nebu and Amira were not under the same restraint, and both had pistols up, and one of them opened fire. Jazz forced her body to turn and fell to the ground, only able to see the floor there was nothing she could make out clearly the cabin still looked empty but the hatch was open then something shimmered and jazz with her view of the floor saw a metallic foot step forward jazz rolled to the side instinctively as lasers and bullets began to spray from both the cockpit and the cabin it was all jazz could do to roll up in a ball and pray to aos a stray shot didn't hit her A moment later, she heard her father give a shout of pain and fall to the ground. Amira roared, pulling Nebu behind her and unloading onto nothing. Jazz looked up and saw a hand appear out of thin air, grab Amira by her ragged shirt, and toss her easily across the cabin to smash against the far wall. She dropped her weapon as she struck the ground. Derby, Cybele's hunter, tossed aside an invisibility cloak. Jazz's invisibility cloak. And lazily crouched to the floor beside Nebu. He eyed Jazz for a moment, then looked at the man. Oh boy, that's a nasty wound, said Derby. You're not going to survive that one. Nebu gasped but flung both hands outward, clapping Derby's ears. The cyborg barely flinched, although one of the ears came off, obviously synthetic. Derby grinned, shrugged, and said, Yeah. Why let you suffer any longer? He shot Nebu in the head with all the emotion of hammering a nail into wood. The force of the shot cracked Nebu's head against the metal floor and blood leaked from the wound. Jazz screamed into the cloth in her mouth, choking against it. Derby removed the cloth. Don't worry, I'm not here to harm you. Your friend sent me here. Seemed very concerned for there was a whip and crackling sound. Derby seized up unexpectedly, going suddenly still. Jazz looked to the side and saw her mother, whipstick in hand, holding the button down with both thumbs, as if pressing it harder meant greater voltage. Electricity surged through Derby as he continued to lay utterly still on the ground. Then he started to smoke. The smell of burnt metal, plastic, and cooked meat mingled together in a motley of vomit-inducing aromas. Amira released the whipstick and ran to her husband, who lay dead on the ground. She cradled his ruined head in her lap, blood covering her white rags and dark hands. Shh, shh, it's all right, love, we did it, this was for the best, you have joined him. Eos, I know you have. Amira smiled, and tears waterfalled down her cheeks, the rivulets coursing down the rivers of her aged skin. Let me go, shouted Jazz, struggling against her bonds. Wit! Wit! Help! Wit, you will do no such thing. Enter suspended mode. No, spat Jazz. Stop her. Command overrided, Jazz Azuro. Wit's voice came over the comms, entering suspended mode. Before Jazz could say anything else, Amira had stuck the cloth back in her mouth the smell of fresh blood pungent on her fingers. We need to go, said Amira, taking a seat in the cockpit. Now that we're together, we'll be fine. I know we will. Just fine. All of Jazz's energy leaked out of her, like the contents of her father's skull. This was it. It was all over. Amira started the engines. Jazz looked back to the main cabin. Maybe if she could just crawl over there, find something sharp, do? Tane appeared from the hatch, his robotic hand pointed like a child playing cops and robbers. He put his other finger to his mouth, breathlessly shushing Jazz. Amira hadn't noticed, but Jazz sighed, consigning whatever his plan was to a resounding failure. He looked ridiculous. She was fucked. That's all there was to it. As if on cue, Tane accidentally kicked one of the stray pistols on the floor. Amira spun out of her chair with pistol raised and was about to shoot when Tane's thumb clicked and the tip of his finger exploded with light. Jazz saw Amira spin around next to her, caught by the force of it on her shoulder. She fell to the ground and onto Derby's corpse. She still somehow held on to her weapon, pointing it at Tane, but not before Jazz coiled her body and snapped her head forward, cracking it against her mother's face. Amira shot but it went wide, and her other hand covered her nose where Jazz had struck it with her forehead. Amira tried to shoot again, but Tane kicked the gun away and pointed his finger gun at her head. That's enough, said Tane, before whacking her hard on the head with his finger gun. She fell unconscious. Tane sighed, then took in the scene before him. Nebu, his head blown to pieces. Derby, dead under Jazz's mother, smoke still curling around his corpse. And Jazz herself, totally vulnerable. I," he said, and then burped. Oh, And he only barely managed to turn his head away from Jazz before vomiting. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio, written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse, that's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com.